1: Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad.
0: Don't you like to see these two blood Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Scumbags going after each other. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. 1101 here on a, a Monday
1: morning. So uh, if you you say it's part of your bedtime reading, 100 Things yeah. Minnesota so Fans Should Know and Do Before They Day, what is it accompanied with, you said? It came, well, I came to
2: the – good enough to invite me to come to the uh, the
1: debut party and uh, got my copy and came
2: home, put it on the on the bedside.
1: That's a where of it book. has stayed and been a nice coaster well, for no. that's
2: the beauty of a beautiful book like this. It has a hundred chapters that are anywhere between it's one not, and seven yeah. pages. I, I I'm I'm not the kind of person who can lay down and go to bed. I can't. I can't unwind enough. So I always need to lay down and worst thing I do is open the laptop and four hours later I'm finally asleep. But yeah, yeah. Your book's perfect. I'll read and I'm not, not look, folks, I'm not saying this because Brian's sitting here next to us. I'll read a chapter, two chapters, and, and it works. Uh but yes, the other book. Uh, is Bruce Springsteen's autobiography, which is, I'm a huge Springsteen fan, but it's exhausting to try to read because he writes, like, his song lyrics. So you're reading about the... the,
1: Every chapter's three and a half hours? You're reading
2: the front, the the story of the house he grew up on. It's not, you know, it's a small white house on a quiet street uh, under an oak tree in Asbury Park. That's, yeah, poetic. I just did that off the top of my head. His is, you know, the cobwebs hanging from the corners of the porch belie the age that's... (laughs) Make the house so special. Well, the this history is... and the blood that run, pulse through the home, uh, things like that. And yeah, just, 100,
1: uh, 100 Things, uh, folks, is a little bit more light. It's a little lighthearted. <laughs> it's a little easier. It's a, it's a, it's an appetizer compared to a, yeah. a, a roast beef dinner. It's
2: probably a better bedtime book than the Springsteen one because I have to, like, what am I reading here? Sounds like Springsteen will put you to bed pretty soon, though, at least. Well, and I'm into it. You've got to be a fan. You've got to be a super fan. And w- with your book, to that point, if you are a Gopher fan, this is your thing. You're going to love every chapter. Just going through some of the, Should I not give it away? No. We'll do go- some of the chapters. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's Her- fine. Her- Herbie, War- Murray Wormuth, Bronco Nagurski, Bruce Smith. Quote, we want the pig from the cellar to the penthouse. One of the great quotes in Gopher history. Defeat is worse than death. Because you have to live with defeat. Uh, take That's t- Bill
1: Musselman's fight.
2: Yep. Jerry Kills in there. Uh, Bob McNamara. I- I'm just I'm skipping around here. Uh, Mason Blues. Uh, Daryl Thompson. Uh, Juice on the loose. Yell yay gophers. The Axe. Floyd of Rosedale. It's just it's Glenn Sonmore. Lunan. I can keep going on. Um, I would do want to ask this because I got to see you the night that you did the the um, the release party and. What's cool for me? I know you. I wouldn't say we're best friends, but we—I see a lot, yeah, we, and we have a mutual respect. I really enjoyed watching you hand people that book. That's, really? Yes, just because it's just like I said. It's it's so we turn out product sort of like this on minds on video. Yours is in the newspaper. The first story I put on television, I remember like this is so cool. Like I can't believe somebody took sure. what I wrote. And I'm sure the first time you saw a byline, high school, college. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It, was. it still gets a. Th- it's still a thrill.
2: But it's not what it was. Uh you do get a little jaded by it. However, I could see this was so different for you. What's it like when that thing arrives in the mail and you open the box
1: and there it is? Well, it's it's reality. It's 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 culmination of a lot of hard work and um it's a goal. I've always had a goal to write a book. Now, this is in a lot of ways, this is like a starter book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a paint by numbers book. This isn't, you know, the epic novel. This isn't breaking down. Uh, The Mike Zimmer saga or the story of somebody from, you know, cradle to grave. I mean, this was, as we said, you know, this was these were stories that that were known. These are legends that that are already known about. I just tried to put them in a constructive and and write about it in an entertaining way and summarize what these people's careers were. That's
2: the challenge. Everyone knows Herb Brooks's story. But that's you set out to there's a little more detail that you're going to get something out of every chapter that. Look, I'm, I'm a, I wrote a college thesis on the 80 Olympic team, so I think I'm an expert. And there were a couple of things in there that I hadn't heard and didn't know about. So that's, I'm crediting you and sort of asking about the process. Just, you said, trying to take stories that a lot of people are already going to know, but you do have to kind of find a second level. Well,
1: I, here's one I would post you. Did you ever know that John Wooden might have coached the Gophers basketball no, team? No, no. I didn't know that no. at all. Now, this may be part of urban legend, but in 1948— um, Dave McMillan had resigned as Gophers basketball coach and, and Wooden was coaching at a small school in Indiana and he was one of, uh, two finalists for the job. And the idea was, uh, this is 1948. So they he was going to be in a certain sp- time at a certain spot to take a phone call from Minnesota's <laughs> athletic director and yeah. Mr. McCormick and McCormick was also going to be, uh, or Wooden was also waiting for a call from, Uh, another uh, AD at UCLA about a job offer. Well, there was a snowstorm in South Dakota where McCormick was at. And according to Sid Hartman, now this is how good this is. Sid Hartman was writing about this live. McCormick (laughs) sought permission from then-university president Lotus Kaufman to negotiate a buyout for McMillan and increase the basketball budget for Wooden to hire his own assistants. And, uh, quote, Wooden wrote, quote, I didn't know the problem, so when Mr. Johns called right on time, I accepted the UCLA job. When Mr. McCormick finally reached me about an hour later, he told every, told me everything was all set. It's too late, I told him. I've already accepted the job at UCLA. If fate had not intervened, I would have never gone to UCLA. Those are John Wooden's own words in his own in his own book. Now, could you could ponder the wizard of Dinkytown and yeah. what he could have done here? Yeah. And as a Gopher fan, you probably don't want to hear you know, that. You probably don't. But I didn't know any of that. I obviously hadn't heard that. Minnesota's unfortunate loss was UCLA's epic gain, of course.
2: So it's called 100 Things Minnesota Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Brian Murphy wrote it. It's, it's on all the online Amazon, uh, the U of M bookstore. You can get it for your Kindle, uh, Barnes & Noble, Majors & Quinn bookstores around here. And it's it's uh, it's pretty cool, man. Good stuff. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. Let's stay with Gopher basketball here. I am at the—I'm uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium covering the Prep Bowl. Pretty much locked in there all day Friday, all day Saturday. So Saturday afternoon. And I'm trying to sort of, you know, pay attention to at least what else is going on in the world. Iron Bowl and, and uh, you know, the Gopher-Badger game. And I'll admit, go for basketball was, you know, we're still early in the season. I knew it was a big game. Top 25 teams are playing Alabama, but it's on Facebook. It's hard to see. And I start seeing these tweets about what's going on in this game. And you're on the road, so maybe the same thing. You're checking your phone. And I am i see a tweet that says, Alabama's entire bench has just been
1: ejected. Yeah, now that sounds a little odd. They're
2: playing with five guys. I'm like, well, that can't be right. How do you eject the entire bench? Well, a guy just... When you have a brawl. guy just fouled out. Now they're playing... Hoosiers style. My team's on the court. My team's on the floor. Did I botch the line? What's he say? What's the line from Hoosiers? My team's team's on the floor. floor. Good enough. My team's on the floor. Well, then the guy rolls his ankle. So now we have a two-man power play. It's
1: five on three. It is. and I For several minutes.
2: I get accused of dealing in hyperbole a lot in life and in front of this microphone. I go to Facebook. Took me a minute to figure out how to see it. And I'm watching while I'm also watching the Class 5A championship game behind me. It's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in sports.
1: I, someone, what did it, what, tell me what it looked like when they were defending. A triangle and
2: none. <laughs> that's, that's a bad, it was the, the radical triangle and none defense. They would have one guy try to pressure the ball, and the other two guys were a low post sort of... Rim protector. It was a cover two. Yeah. They sort of rubber band. Yeah, a cover two is the best way I can face it. The, the guy up front was your entire defensive front, like in football, and the other two guys were your defensive backs that were just trying to Play high-low zone. the block. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, here's the bizarre thing. It worked. How... And I, this is not a... Richard You can't prep. There's no scenario you'd say, well, just in case a team gets everyone ejected and plays with three players. Here's how we're going to go for the jugular. Yeah. And I kind of armchair quarterbacked and, and and said, it would seem to me the easiest thing to do. And if you don't know the whole story, Gophers were up, not huge, but comfortably up. D- double digits. Uh, it was seven. They were up 57-50 when the bench got ejected.
1: Okay, and then it the guys started 13. Thirteen.
2: They were up 13 with 10.41 to go
1: when you realize they're playing five on three, five on three the rest of the game. Because a guy round. got injured.
2: They shaved the lead down to three at one point with a minute 37. You have to
1: know your intensity level is going to drop, I think, at that point. Yeah. If you, yes. it, It's the equivalent of having a 25-point lead maybe with three minutes to go. You're just kind of taking your step foot off the gas, whereas you should have been hungry for more. I would think you would want to exploit that. We were talking yes. off air. Just plant somebody under the, uh, the rim down yes. court. You're still playing four on three with... With uh, You know, without the basketball, and once you get the ball, just you grab a defensive rebound, hurl it down there, get your easy bucket.
2: I'm a, I'm on set with with Chris Ohm during the, the football game, and he gets sucked in. I'm like, look at this, there's three guys, and he's got a football background. He said the same thing. Why are the Gophers not just putting one guy all the way up in the offensive end, so you're playing four on three, you still should come out ahead. Are they trying to make it look respectable? I guess, and, and I don't know that you'll ever get an honest answer out of Richard Petino. I mean, Avery Johnson was on with, um, I almost said Mike and Mike, reflexively. Mike and Trey. Golick, and, yes, before us. And Avery Johnson, Alabama's coach, said, he was real honest about it. He said, did you think you could still win the game? And he said, once we got to within five, yes. I mean, that's de facto admitting No. But all of a sudden, this guy Colin Sexton, is that his name? I believe the freshman.
1: Yeah, started putting up starts shots.
2: Starts just putting on a Rucker Park show and driving through five Gophers, and they cut it down and they cut it down. Well, at some point there, you got to stop the bleeding. And the Gophers kept settling for these mid-range jumpers, and they would hit some, but they missed most. Alabama goes on this run, and I'm watching. Now I'm watching the thing, and it gets to three. It's and becoming
1: say, a major storyline. If they lose this game, the season could be ruined. This, I mean, that's a season ruining type situation.
2: This is Alabama's a good team.
1: Not five on Team. three. Nobody's nobody's good. Five three on five.
2: That had to have been in an honest moment. You could ask Richard Petino. That had to have been the most
1: terrifying experience. I can't. There's I, nothing to gain. I can't believe this has happened. Right? How do I how do I prepare for the? How do I prepare these guys for this? You want to keep them aggressive. You want to keep them going for the jugular. And you think it would have been a lot easier if the other teams down two players. But it just seemed like they played down to their level.
2: Yeah, and and you uh, flip side of Avery Johnson, who doesn't think. Patino and his team even have got to be thinking. We there's no way we lose this. There's no way we lose this. I guess that's where you, in sports, you get sucker punched. You you let that guard down. You look up at the scoreboard and go, Oh man, they're within five. And I, and I
1: think Alabama was obviously obviously playing with a, a newfound sort of freedom too that they normally wouldn't experience. Which is, we have no plans for this. Let's freewheel it and see what happens. And look what they did.
2: Because I'll fill in the blanks here in case you didn't see the whole thing. And, and again, it was on Facebook, so it was tricky that I didn't know how to do that. I sound like russie, but I honestly didn't know how to Facebook. I, live. I, I had to,
1: was it Facebook live?
2: Kinda it's on, I, I've seen, I'll go to Facebook and there's like a game playing. It's usually like an American association basketball game that just sort of, or a high school game. Anyway, um, Nate Mason and Colin Sexton were jawing at each other and they both get technicals. Mason wouldn't stop, kept chirping, gets another team, gets ejected, but Tino gets a technical for defending Mason. After all the Alabama shoots all their free throws, um, I'm pretty sure it was Dupree McBrayer and some Alabama player get tangled up underneath the basket right in front of the Alabama bench, and it wasn't a fight. If you didn't see it and you're just looking at Twitter or or summaries of what happened in this thing, they say a fight. It did not was not a fight.
1: It wasn't even a shoving match. It was a gathering.
2: Yeah. But all of Alabama's bench
1: kind of walked onto the it court. It all geography. Yep. Where were they?
2: And the referees went to the tape, and the rule is very explicit. If you walk over the sideline to join anything, it's an immediate ejection. So my first response when I saw it happen, because I didn't know exactly the rule, how do you, like what referee is saying, that's it, you're all out of here. He didn't have a choice. The guy had no choice. There's no gray area. So <laughs> the shot on ESPN, the, the sports center last night, there they go. Whole yep. looks like halftime. Whole team's going up the tunnel. And then so it's five on five. And one guy fouls out. One guy gets hurt. And that's how we get to five on three to kind of paint the whole picture. But uh, I didn't know the rule. A referee has the discretion down to one player. The referee can call a forfeit if he thinks that the other team has no legitimate chance at winning.
1: But they felt that there was a legitimate chance. And obviously that they there was it. a legitimate chance. They proved it by being down five on three. Three on five and still being able to cut it to five points. And I think they had a possession at some point where they might have been able to make it to three.
2: They did. And and if, the, if they win that game, it's the whatever SB category
1: you want. It's the win of the year. Sure, the win of the century at this point. <laughs> right. I mean, anyway. And it wasn't like there were two minutes left. We're talking seven ten to ten, and a half. right? Ten and a half. Ten
2: and a half when they went down to the five on three, and it was a three-point game with... Uh, what did the guy hit the three? I think so. It was yeah, a minute. It was eighty-three to eighty with a minute thirty-seven to go. Alabama outscored the Gophers thirty to twenty-two in in five-on-three. That's the equivalent of two shorthanded goals
1: down five. On down five-on-three five in a minute and a half
2: in a three-goal game, and you get it to within one. Uh, plenty more to go here. It's Mackie and Judge Show. He's Brian Murphy, Dave Harrigan producing. I'm Chris Long on fifteen hundred ESPN.
0: Let's go. Running their mouths counts as a morning run, right? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Vikings enjoyed a
1: Thanksgiving weekend off after taking care of business in Detroit 30-23 to 23 on Thursday before national television audience. They now have their two toughest games probably of the season. I guess season defining is what we could call these two road games. They got to visit Atlanta this weekend and then they're on to Carolina after that before returning home. Game against they got their two home games the rest of the season are Cincinnati and Chicago to conclude the season, and they also have to go to Lambeau Field week 16, which doesn't look like it's going to be much of a matchup at this point. Um, Case Keenum, he's your starter. does 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 it feel like he's still earning the job? Uh, and if so, why? Here's and this is
2: inside media stuff, but you can back me up on this. It's it's the way the NFL works is the quarterback will always speak once a week, at least. Yep, every Wednesday. Most teams, it's just once. Normally, the way that press conference goes is it's head coach and quarterback, or quarterback and head coach. At the podium. At the podium, and you've seen it. Tom Brady stands in front of that stupid video-changing background for the Patriots every week that drives me crazy. Uh, that's just how you do it in the NFL. Um I don't know that it's mandated that way or if every team is. No, it's not mandated. It just to makes to sense.
1: That. These are the two most important figures. Let's have them talk on the same day in the middle of the week.
2: The Vikings have never put Case Keenum in that full press conference situation. You see it. We cover it every week if you watch it on TV. It's almost like it would
1: be too much validation.
2: That's what I'm getting at. And again, inside behind the curtain, be easier for us instead of gathering around Case Keenum 30 deep. In an already busy locker room, which is where we do it. I'm not complaining about
1: no, that. No, 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 that's fine.
2: But it is symbolic that he hasn't gotten that... Now, knowing Keenum probably doesn't want it. I don't, I don't want to go upstairs and do that, and that's... No, I just want to... He likes the low-key... I don't want to say that he's not... He likes the low expectations, because he's done nothing but surpass them all season. But it is telling that that's just how it's been. And one week it was he and sam bradford speaking in the locker room one week it was he and teddy bridgewater that doesn't happen anywhere else in the league it's how we it's just an illustration of how weird the way this has all been handled and at some point you know mike zimmer keeps saying it cuz he has no reason not to No. he's, he's our starter this he's week my and guy we'll see.
1: he's we got yeah and we'll see and and he's not going to you know he's not going to box himself into something but that's, that's what he's for, trying to
2: that's true for every quarterback save 5
1: yeah
2: he's our quarterback for this week If Tyrod Taylor is fine. He's not great. He's fine. Never in a million years did we think that Nathan Peterman, Nathan,
0: no. Nathan Peterman. Nailed
2: it. Now, I only care because Tyrod Taylor's on my fantasy team. I saw the tweets, Nathan Peterman start for Bills, and I went, what? Okay, Taylor's hurt. Did he get hurt at practice? So, I I never thought that move was going to come. Now, that's far down the food chain from where the Vikings have been playing, obviously, but I get what Mike Zimmer's doing, but at some point, and maybe that point is right now, do you just throw Keenum a bone? Or is he doing that behind the scenes? And Zimmer, who you have a wonderful relationship with, the way you you have a relationship with Mike Zimmer that most of us in this town don't
1: have. I don't know how great it is anymore. Well, it can be love-hate. Yeah.
2: And that means you're both doing your job. Yeah. Uh, Maybe they've had that conversation. Case, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to put that on you. Please don't read anything into it. You're our guy, well,
1: but I don't know. Well, Kingdom certainly is, is playing, talking, reacting, and conducting himself as a guy with supreme confidence yeah. right now. So that he's it's, it's, there's probably some validity to that. I mean, there's some sense of I don't have to I don't have to project being the guy. I just have to play like being the guy. In fact, somebody asked him in the post game press conference in Detroit, um, you know, how do you explain being sort of a marginal quarterback? You know, a journeyman quarterback. Uh, with a middling record, to all of a sudden being seven and two as a starter and leaving leading one of the top teams in the in the conference, and he basically kind of looked at the guy and was like, "I don't really have to explain that, Yeah. you know, because yeah. I'm not going to bog myself down in all the narratives. The narratives are great and they're fun to read and they're fun to speculate about and they're fun to wonder how is this guy doing what he's doing. But all Keenum's doing is like, look, I'm just concentrating on doing my job. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to prepare. I'm going to work with Pat Shermer. I've got playmaking receivers. I got a wonderful offensive line." You know, I, I've proven myself I can make some plays. Granted, I was on a bad, bad Texans team. I was on a pretty bad Rams team last year. I'm on a pretty good team right now with a great defense. I don't have to do everything, and I'm not going to even try to do anything, and I'm not going to project myself as somebody out there that is going to do everything. I'm just going to do my job as Case Keenum, and boy, it's kind of worked out wonderfully for the Vikings and him.
2: And there's some happenstance and chaos theory in there. I mean, everybody's always said, if, if Drew Bledsoe doesn't get hurt, is Tom Brady who he is? Maybe. Maybe not. If he leaves and signs with San Francisco, a la Jimmy Garoppolo, does that happen? It, the easy answer is, well, of course, he's a great quarterback. We don't know that. We have but, no and, and every, way of knowing Everything
1: that. with Teddy and everything with Keenum is going to probably happen organically. Yeah, and should. And it's should. You should not make any you know resolute statements. And, and you just got to be careful for what you wish for with Bridgewater because there's so much unknown. At the, at the very best, you'd say, well, maybe he can take over where he was in 2015. He wasn't well, great. that wasn't a great showing either. I mean, he was adequate, and he had a terrible offensive line. We know that. The running game was completely different. It yeah. was Norv Turner. We all know that. But if that's what you're hoping for, the best that you can hope for, then I don't know when you would want to make that change. And the other question is, if you think he can be better than he was, what are you basing that off of? Because he's coming off an injury that no quarterback has ever come back from, right? Right. So we don't know, and this is not the time of year right now to try to find out. Now, if you have to find out, if Keenum's, you know, throws four picks, do you give him one more chance, or if Keenum gets hurt, then you're going to find out what you have in Teddy Bridgewater. But I'm at the point now where Case Keenum is probably earned uh, a, 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 a mulligan at some I was point, say, right?
2: If he lays an egg in Atlanta.
1: Does Does he not get that? Do you throw Teddy in against...
2: I'm saying this hypothetically. Yeah. I understand everybody out there might be rolling their eyes at this because we've done this seven-week trial. I I don't know. He's earned... Yeah, mulligan's a perfect word. He's earned a stinker. And he's also giving no reason to think he's going to... He threw... He
1: too threw bad, two bad picks in Washington, Washington but they were, was ulti- to- they were ultimately benign. So, yeah.
2: And and one, I made the argument was as good as a punt. It was third and eight at the 50. You throw it deep. Did it cost you three? Maybe, but whatever. Um, I, you know, and there's people, I'm not going to, I will not sling the hot take that he's in the MVP conversation. Oh, God,
1: no. I don't think he's that good. No, maybe he's the most behind. valuable player on the Vikings right now, but not in the league. I
2: think definitely on the Vikings. And that's not selling the defense short, just because that's a,
1: Unit. That's a collective That's a unit. That's more of a collective.
2: Uh, but the list of guys I put in front of him Wentz, Brady, Breeze, Wilson. I hate doing all quarterbacks. You say Carson Wentz? Yeah, first. Okay. Uh, but he's in that next group, as insane as that sounds.
1: Look, and, and he's a top 10 quarterback right now.
2: Yeah. And whether you put the eye test away, put the eye test away, look at the metrics. And I know you can break metrics down. Total QBR that ESPN does overweighs leverage situations. You get more credit for doing things under the gun. Th- on third downs. Do. But I would argue that's when good quarterbacks have to be good. Yeah, you have to be very good on third down. He's first among active quarterbacks. He's the best. He has the highest total QBR. Second overall with Deshaun Watson's one, which shows it's a little bit of a weird rating. But then they have, and I wasn't familiar with this stat until I was prepping for this show. They have, what, what's the thing called? Points added. I don't know how... I like analytics, but I don't understand them that much. From what I understand, it's the equivalent to war in baseball. It's sort of, how many points have you been directly responsible for? He's second behind Brady and Wentz. Now, that's going to slant toward quarterbacks. Of course. And I'm not saying I would, if if tomorrow you needed a starting quarterback, would I take Case Keenum over
1: Drew Brees? And nobody would. No. And and you don't have to feel bad about thinking that right. way either. right. But yeah. that doesn't diminish what he's been able to accomplish and wh- how he's been able to salvage this football team.
2: We had the clip earlier from Packer fan line. We'll do another. We haven't done one of those in a couple hours. Let's do one of those going out of this break, Dave. But the guy said, you know, talking about Case Keenum, is he a Super Bowl winning quarterback? Three weeks ago, I still would have said, well, I don't probably not.
1: I'm still not sure about that yet. I. But every week he comes out there, he keeps showing me more and more, and I'm thinking, well. You know, they're going to, this defense is probably going to what dictates how yes. far the Vikings go.
2: You can no longer write him off. I, I I would not pick him if my life were at stake. Who do you want quarterbacking your team? He's down that list. If the Vikings get to that point and lose, I no longer assume he would be the reason they lose. Could be. Correct. That's but wh- a good way to put it. I wouldn't bet either way on it. He's. Uh, it's, def- it's beyond a reasonable doubt now that he could play well for three games in the postseason.
1: Yes, I would say that.
2: Whereas if you told me I was going to be saying that four but months I, ago, I, I would have had you committed.
1: But the other thing is, too, that I think these next two games are going to show us everything you want to hear, see about him, too, because there's two, two tests on the road. Now, we talk about tests on the road. I mean, he's won games in Chicago. He's won games in Washington. He's won game in Detroit. And he won a game in, um, am I missing another road game in there? I don't think I am. There's been a lot of home games. Rams was a
2: home game. Washington was a road game. No,
1: that was it. Washington was the other one I was thinking of. But what, what I think you're seeing from Keenum now is a demonstration that put in the right position with the right playmakers and the right offensive coordinators and such a reliable defense, he can play within a certain comfort zone. And they found that comfort zone. Well, that's
2: where we are in football now. Jared Goff was a hot steaming mess last year and is sort
1: of in that same... But so were the Rams.
2: Yeah. Sort of in that same Keenum vein right now where, well, this guy's got something that we didn't see. Um, I mentioned it with Kevin Seifert when he was on earlier. There was a Pro Football Talk article that was terrific that just said the NFL doesn't know how to evaluate quarterbacks right now. I mean, Mike Glennon gets a huge contract to sign with the Bears. Brian Hoyer got a Big, not huge, but big contract. Big enough. He's not on the team anymore. Um, Who's the one I'm forgetting? Jay Cutler gets a big contract to come out of retirement in Miami. Now he's hurt. All three of those guys failed by any metric miserably. And Keenum comes in as a bargain. I mentioned Jared Goff. Alex Smith. Everybody was ready to throw him on the scrap pile. He comes out hot this year and has now sort of gone back to who he was. Uh, Cam Newton has gone the other way. He, He bumps. Now he's all of a sudden starting to regain his form a little bit.
1: Uh, it's just, how does Carson Wentz go where he goes?
2: Yeah, so Keenum, raw material put into this Vikings offense works. I don't know that you can say that guy, with very few exceptions, that guy's a great quarterback. I don't know that you can say that in the National
1: Football but League. But as, as Kevin said, it's all about context. Right, it's all about scenarios and circumstances. And right now, the the the, the Vikings and their circumstances, and I I, I think I, a lot of this goes to Pat Shermer too. Pat Shermer has found a way to make this offense work with the personnel that they have, but fitting that per, retrofitting that personnel into Keenum's strengths, too, and what he's able to do with his legs, mixing in some play action, mixing in a little bit of a read option. Um, Keenum can do things with his legs that obviously Bradford couldn't do with his one leg. So let's have fun with this then. And you nailed it. The Vikings don't have to do this. Everybody
2: wants to say, well, what about next year? Teddy's contract. They don't have to they do don't anything to about that until the day the season
1: ends. You do not need to worry about that now. You need to enjoy this ride and take it where it goes organically. Okay, Brian Murphy, who's the week one starter next year? Sam Bradford. <laughs> uh, I, What's I, funny is I don't think that he, seems I, the least I think likely. Even, I think even saying who that's going to be is a fool's errand. Well, I, that's what he, we do here. I know, but <laughs> no. I, I'm just saying, uh, I no, I'm not, say, I'm not but, but saying agree. shut down talk radio forever. There's Don't, no way to know. There's no way no to know. There really, to. really is no way to go because if Keenum takes this team far, then he's got to be in the mix for a contract. Yes. You can't ignore it. And that. it's going to cost you a lot of it's money. Gonna, and maybe that's not what you want to do, but you have to consider that in the mix.
2: I agree, and I think too many people still are writing that up. No, no
1: it's Teddy. No Don't worry about it. It's Teddy week one. Okay. I mean, if Case Keenum takes you t- into the playoffs and deep into the playoffs and how deep is it and how does he look doing it, how does he not become part of that offseason conversation? The one thing you know is Case Keenum is going to make a lot of money this offseason. It's just a question on on where it's going to come from. All right, we'll be back right after this. This is Brian Murphy and Chris Long in for Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie, Judd
0: Zogad. Is it for charity at all? Uh, not that I know of. It's just somebody decided it would be fun. Mackie and Judd. It's like a clown car, but much smellier. On 1500 ESPN. I'm heartbroken and here's why I'm heartbroken because I've been on this poor kid for the last four weeks and I almost want to cry because that kid played his heart out tonight absolutely played his
2: heart out tonight and you know what killed him McCarthy and it pains me like honest to god my lower lip is quivering for this kid Never mind the 57-yard field goal, which was absolutely ridiculous. What was that play call? Williams was averaging at least, what, five? I mean, you were running the ball on these guys all night. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's third and one. And you call that sideways, whatever the hell it was, to Cobb. Go hey! Yeah, Mackie and Jed may not be here this morning, but uh, that is a time honored tradition uh, here. My on my, uh, my
1: lip is quivering because Mackie and Jed are not here <laughs> to enjoy this to enjoy that take.
2: Every Monday morning when you roll in, like you just Dave Harrigan must like can't wait. It's like opening a Christmas present every Oh, day. Well, especially
0: lately. Yeah, when the Packers win I mean. on a Sunday, it's a giant bummer for the next day because <laughs> right. obviously we don't do it, but we, when we get a Packers loss, I mean previous years they came, obviously, a lot fewer than they have come in recent weeks. So it was a treat that we got, you know, once, maybe twice a month. But now with them just coming day or week after week after week, you'd think it gets old. You think you'd get tired of it, but it just keeps getting better, right? There's a I lot don't of- believe in moral victories, man. That That's a loser's mentality because I'll tell you what. They had a minute and 20 seconds, and what do they do? Run, run, run. Dad, I want Mike McCarthy
2: fired. I'm sorry, I don't care. I might be in the majority, but he sucks, and I'm going to go because I'm so
0: freaking pissed off that I want I want to punch him right in his big fat mouth.
1: <laughs> so he can't. Run, he should be running the ball, or he should not be running the ball. Right. He should be passing the ball. He should not be passing the ball. I do wonder why he did go for a 57 yard field goal to, for for Mason Crosby sure. to that hit. That could. That's a decision that he's going to have to own. Well, that to. have
2: you met Brett Hundley? Well, but but
1: Huntley was playing well yesterday. It I know what you're started saying.
2: Started well, but Start- it, it's just and I, again, it's been the Viking side. You beat the you beat the Lions. So you take the tiebreaker out. That the Packers are now absolutely in the rear view. The best case scenario. But I mean, look, you lose Aaron Rodgers, who Tom Brady's probably going to go down as the best quarterback. I mean, we do recency a lot. I I never saw Johnny Unitas play, but Tom yeah. Brady's going to go down as the best quarterback in NFL history. To, to, he's going to throw for 5,000 yards this year as a 40-year-old. That's absurd. But Aaron Rodgers is, I think, has played his way into the top 10.
1: Well, look at the, his value to the Packers compared to Brady's yeah. value yeah. to the Patriots. Because when Brady's been out, the Patriots have been able to just get yes. along fine. Yes, yes. Brett Hundley has not been able to bring uh, much momentum or sustain much momentum for Green Bay. Uh, This is not a scenario where you can make the argument that Aaron Rodgers is certainly more valuable to the Packers than Brady is to the Patriots. Who would
2: you take right now? Who would you? We we just did the whole in in relation to Case Keenum. What NFL quarterback, healthy and on his game right now, would you take in any given circumstance?
1: I'd take Tom Brady.
2: It's, it's hard, mainly because not... of his
1: experience and and his his you know his gamesmanship. You know, the,
2: but I the... wonder because Rogers clearly does it with nothing around him. We know that now. He's been doing it for. I mean, how many marquee receivers has he had? He's had guys that he's made look good, and it could be chicken egg. You don't know. He's they've been there's been no running back for the last six years. The O line can say a lot of that with Brady though too. Well, uh, that's true. Yeah, no. I mean, the shifting that's true. stands. that you've yeah,
1: and Gronk, but Gronk's hurt a lot. So
2: well, yeah. and his, he's had injuries, and he also hasn't had re- his receivers. Have yeah, sure, yeah, okay, you win i mean, I, I
0: mean sure, Frank, I'd, still take I'd take i'd
1: take Rodgers. Uh, that's, that's the argument
0: i'm building what well, I mean,
1: well, just because of what he can do single-handedly as opposed to what brady can do single-handedly
0: because of that and i think you just throw in a little bit more mobility he can run the ball a little bit if he gets in trouble and he's got just slightly more of a, a rocket arm than uh, than brady has at this point
2: brady has belichick as the wild card in his pocket brady's a
0: great, mm-hmm. great quarterback i'm i i should
2: be Taken out and shot, if I say otherwise.
1: Nobody wants to punch Bill Belichick in his big, fat mouth. That's my point. At least and, well, a lot of people do. But, yeah, and, no, not but not fans. fans. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I've
2: never seen a TV camera on a network football game clearly get a shot of Tom Brady shaking his head and rolling his eyes at something that Bill Belichick has sent in from the sidelines. That's because he knows Bill will eat his heart if he saw that. Well, but I don't think it happens, yeah. is my point. So not only is, and I don't want to make this a McCarthy bash, but say what you want about him, but...
1: Rodgers might be carrying him too. Yeah, Rodgers might be carrying him. But let's not forget, Mike McCarthy was there when they won a Super Bowl too. So uh, you know, I, I know that was five years ago, but I just get the sense that you know what if if anything well, was McCarthy is McCarthy responsible for personnel decisions? Because the question is, why did they ha- you know why did they only have Brett Hundley behind Aaron Rodgers?
2: Well, why did you only have Case Keenum? Behind?
1: Ah, <laughs> that's how you bring it back.
2: Um. And that's the—I don't know how to evaluate—it's obviously to look at Rogers. You can craft the argument any way you want. Tom Brady's a great quarterback because of Bill Belichick and that system. Aaron Rodgers must be a great quarterback because the team stinks when he disappears. You can spin that any way you want. But when you're starting to argue, you know, how does this end for the Packers? I mean, McCarthy was already on a bit of a hot seat. Well, now does he get an out? Because, what am I supposed to do? We lost our best quarterback ever. When, the NFL,
1: there aren't too many outs, but that could be one.
2: Yeah, and, I, you know, you listen to the wonderful cuts here from Packer fan line. They want him out, but it, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. I, it's what's so weird about the National Football League, and and does Rodgers want change? I mean, if Aaron Rodgers walks in and says, hey, uh, next year. I've had enough. Ted, no. Mike, no. And I'll stay for another four or another three.
1: Well, then that happens. Period, right? And he's a guy that might do that. And he's, who makes that decision? Uh, the 40,000 shareholders? Yeah, holders? I never know with the Packers. Uh, yeah,
2: who is? is you always hear Ted Thompson's name, but who makes the decision on Yeah, beyond on him? Ted Thompson. Is there a vote? <laughs>
1: do they have the vote? They, they, we're going to have a stockholders meeting a to vote? decide on the quarterback, uh, yeah. but we're going to keep yeah. that under wraps over here at the uh, Fairfield Inn. But it's really easy Appleton. to just say,
0: yeah, without Rodgers, this season was a wash. Let's just gather up and try again next year. Well, it's just as easy to say without Rodgers, look how badly your team tanked versus across the river. They are now on their third quarterback, and the team is still eight and two or nine and two. Yeah, but they have a defense that's well, it, other it, it, sure. And that's where then you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you say, look, after the season last year, I made a plea. Hey, I need some help. But you could also say, look at our other rival to
2: the south, and they're complete bus wreck, and they don't really know if they have a quarterback
0: either. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you can make the point that look, I've been begging for help for years. This team has never had a defense with me. We've barely have an off had an offense aside from me. I mean, that's got to be on Ted Thompson and perhaps McCarthy, right? There's no scenario that Rodgers leaves Green Bay, right? Come on. Was there any scenario where Brett
1: Favre
2: was going to leave Green Bay? No. certainly not come here. I'm not saying Uh, Rodgers uh, coming here, but no, no, I I I
1: wouldn't say he's coming here either. But I I don't think
2: was just as unlikely as Brett Favre as a Viking.
1: I don't see how they can politically let Aaron Rodgers go after the whole fire fiasco. I don't know how that town turns like that if that if that somehow happens again. But some, but it may be Aaron Rodgers' decision, as you were right. mentioning too. If it is Aaron Rodgers' decision, then that's a completely different animal.
2: We haven't talked hockey. Let's talk hockey. You were the Wild beat writer for a while. We Do we have to any wild stuff?
1: Let's. Ju- <laughs> I know. I know.
2: Same th- other side of the same coin earlier that we said Timberwolves. It is still early, but the difference with the Wild is. We've seen this we play know, before. Well, we know this
1: team. We've, I mean, it's, we've seen it's, this play it, The Wolves are a completely different team, and this is a this is sort of the same, the same team. Now a year ago at this time, they were racking up points huge, and they were getting good balance scoring. Here, I, I don't know if you can ever read which team's going to show up on a given night. Um, they've yeah, granted they were banged up, nicked up with some injuries, but you know Charlie Coyle's back. They've got other than Parisi, they've got their lineup set. Devin Dubnik. Guy posts three straight shutouts. Hold that thought, because he's a good one. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, of the Dubnik conversation. Where do we know with him again?
2: Hold that thought. He's Brian Murphy. I'm Chris Long. Filling in for Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
0: Mackie and Judd are back. Are you ready to kick it up? On 1500 ESPN. New today on Blu-ray and digital, Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson star in the outrageous action comedy The Hitman's Bodyguard, also starring Selma Hayek and Gary Oldman. Get the film that has big action and even bigger laughs. Own oh, the Hitman's bodyguard now on Blu-ray and digital. And head to 1500ESPN.com and the stream player for details on how you can win your very own Blu-ray combo pack. Put some
1: on the slide.
0: Brian Murphy, the Pioneer Press,
1: Chris Long, KSTP Channel 5, in for Mackie and Judd on this Monday following a holiday weekend. The Wild back in action tonight at Winnipeg, 7 p.m. against the Jets who are 7-2-1 and one in their last nine yeah, home games, and they've won six of their last eight overall. Patrick Line has awakened up there. Uh, the rumor it is from our friend Michael Russo that uh, Alex Stalock will be in net for the Wild uh, after Dubnik was lit up for six goals in St. Louis on Saturday night. For what it's worth, Stalock the backup, is 3-1 all-time versus the Jets with a 0.99 goals against average, which brings up an interesting conversation here as to where is Devin Dubnik's game? Where should we be surprised at how maybe haphazard it is sometimes, and and why is it that we just can never seem to? You never know sometimes with Dubnik, what kind of guy he's going to be in the pipes on a given night. Twelve days ago, from right now, he hadn't allowed a goal in three games, three straight shutouts, <laughs>
2: three games, plus some coming in yeah, from plus, the prior, three yeah. and a half games, and you, you can't help but look at and go,
1: oh, okay. You're good. He's good. They're good. We're good. At least four goals in his last four starts.
2: Yeah, and I get that's. Well, I was going to say some of that is just the way the NHL is, but that's not true.
1: Yeah, and there's been a lot. There was a lot of power play goals in St. Louis day and night too.
2: Your top five goalies, and I say I don't know. Carey Price is in that mix, uh, obviously in that mix. Um, I, they don't have these. You might have a bad game, but I do feel like he's so roller coastery. Always has. I kind of always make the joke when I'm watching the games. You feel like there's one bad goal a game.
1: You know it's coming. There's going to be one bad. It looks bad, and you feel it. But when you look at his
2: goals against average, usually, it kind of still works out. It's not that bad. Yeah, but their momentum saves. Yes. And And that's what killed him against St. Louis in the playoffs last year. Yes. And that's what's so weird about that. Other than the one bad goal a game, he's usually okay. Now, the last week, he's been not great. But two weeks ago, that full week, he was bulletproof. It's
1: such, and I'm a... not saying like Alex Stalock should be the guy. No, We're not saying no. that at all because or... Dubnik's getting paid like it, and he's proven himself to be the guy. This is yeah. not a goaltending controversy here. It's just that it's, it's weird. It's still, a, it's it's a confidence factor with Dubnik sometimes, and you're wondering when when and if that's going to break. And it's kind of been that way the entire time he's here. So very streaky. Yeah. Some of those streaks are long. Some of those productive streaks where he's making the best saves and he's pu- putting up big numbers. Those are much longer than his pronounced slumps but they're always there they always seem to be nagging there's always there's a nagging thing with Dubnik sometimes and you got to wonder um how much of the you know and the wild in general aren't playing that well this year obviously yes yeah what are they 10 and 12 12 and no 9 11 9 and 3 you know they're in fifth place in the central division they got a lot of teams ahead of them and you just wonder you know we're past Thanksgiving now how much of this is baked in with this team I'll give you the out that the Wild Haters will attack. And I don't know if I totally
2: subscribe to this, but Charlie Coyle's finally back. They're finally... Yes. Well, we can't say finally because Breezy's still out. But you were missing five of your top six forwards for the first two, three weeks. Two, three weeks. Yep. And then half were out for another couple weeks. And Coyle, who... He's kind of the Keystone guy. He's not your best scorer. He's not your best playmaker. But I think he, more than anybody on that team, is kind of the guy that is the spark plug.
1: He can make an impact play.
2: Yeah, Granlin should be and is growing into that role. And I think we'll get to that role. But I think it's Coil. So missing him, you could say, well, you know, he's a 25-goal scorer, what have you. That's sort of impactful.
1: But I think he plays well beyond that. And he gives you size. He gives you something that you don't normally have in the corners in front of the net.
2: I think you can't just write that off, especially when you're missing Parisi, who is
1: the other energy
2: guy up front, and he's been gone. So I'm not giving them a pass. They have not played well. Uh, They've played well in spurts. They've played well defensively in spurts. But there hasn't been that. Special teams
1: have been uh, inconsistent. Everything about the club has been inconsistent. So um, I don't know. You can't throw it all on the back of the goaltender. Of course, he's the guy that's there, right there, taking all the shots. I mean, taking literally taking all the shots. Even something as weird as, as the power play.
2: I mean, they, they've scored ten power play goals in the last six games, like fifty percent almost on the power play, and yet they're losing games. <laughs> like that's not supposed to. That's not how it's well, supposed to be. Well, they've been
1: giving them up too. They gave up a ton against St. Louis. Yeah.
2: Well, in St. Louis, <laughs> I've said going back to last year that St. Louis was Mike Eel fell into an amazing situation, and a lot of people said it was the exact same situation that he fell into when he came to the Wild. I think St. Louis has a lot more firepower, but you had a broken locker room um, that, that had potential, and he's found it. Now, Jake Allen f- caught fire in the playoffs last year, and that's going to happen in, in the NHL. But you look at St. Louis, and Wild fans want to point at St. Louis and go, that, we want that. Why don't we have that?
1: You should. And they're they're in first place and they've only lost six games.
2: The difference is you don't have
1: a Vladimir Tarasenko and you don't have a Jaden Schwartz. Yeah, you don't have. Well, Tarasenko is the ultimate playmaker.
2: When well, those guys were both on center stage in, in the game two nights ago, the Wild don't have that guy. You could still and should still and kind of did last year win at the same rate as that team, but you're going to have to do it a very different. Well, way.
1: Well, it was much more of a collective the last right. time, and he had a, you know Eric Stahl was sort of leading the way, and, and Parisi was healthy. So you had a lot of things clicking last year that just it's still I you know I look it's still November twenty fifth November twenty sixth you're not going to write off a hockey team at this point
2: no but you talked about it when we were talking about Gopher for football it's just there's there a, hasn't been yeah there's a dark cloud there's and, a feel and you got a lot of eye rolling and here we go again you wonder yeah, what that is. window
1: shut down and you know in this market I mean they're 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 basically selling a stale product right now in this market where you've got the Vikings at nine and two leading leading a playoff charge. You've got the Wolves turning things around, and they're the young, hot thing. Twins are coming off a postseason birth. The Wild are kind of selling the status quo, and that's not exactly, if you're winning, that's fine, but they're not winning right now. We say it more in hockey than in other sport, though. Just get in. Yep, just get in. Wake us in April. Superstar is just going to get in here shortly. Mike Morris. He's will lurking. Us. I saw him lurking in the back hallway. We
2: will go football heavy in the final hour here. It's Brian Murphy. I'm Chris Long. We're filling in for Mackie and Judd today here on 1500 ESPN.